Building a successful real estate career requires you to adapt, pivot, and constantly master new skills. We're Katie and Daniel Steinfeld. We've built our own innovative brokerage. And in this podcast, we've assembled actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to take your business to its maximum potential. It's time to level up. Level up. Welcome to the first official episode of Level Up, our new podcast, formerly known as Balance, and now talking specifically to realtors about stuff that you can use to better your business. Yeah. So we are today going to dive right into talking about the listing presentation. Um, This is obviously something that everybody can do better at, yourself, myself included. For sure. Um, And we figure we should talk about some of the key things that go into making these things work well for you, help you stand out, and hopefully get the listing every single time you walk into somebody's house. That's right. So when we were doing research for this, we realized that there really wasn't a lot of updated information on listing presentations, which inspired us to do this one because I think a lot has changed in terms of consumer behavior and uh, what makes an agent stand out even from five, 10 years ago. So hopefully this will give you guys some updated information. And the nice thing too is that a lot of what's out there for listing presentation training or or what brokerages do, a lot of it is telling you what it's supposed to look like, right? Mm -hmm. So even the current stuff, when people train, they say, here's a template here's what your slides should say, here's, you know, fill in the blank type things. And this isn't that. We don't really want to give you your voice because everybody's personality is different. But what's true to everybody is that there's certain things to know and factors to consider that you can work into your personality that will make you successful in your own tone. Exactly. Because you you shouldn't be forced to adhere to somebody else's vision of what is a perfect listing presentation. Exactly. And it doesn't come across as natural either when you're doing something, especially I find with scripts and um, common objection handling type things. um, A lot of times somebody will come up with the way to do it, but it's not going to be natural to you. So when we were looking into listing presentations, I came across this really interesting survey from Google that talked about just the different characteristics that sellers really value in listing agents. And what I was surprised to see was trust was number one and it came in at 49% which was very interesting and I thought for a lot of the newer agents especially when they think they're at a disadvantage with um, their lack of experience if they could just develop that trust factor going in um, they'll be a lot more successful yeah and I I, I think if everyone was allowed to choose multiple things mm-hmm. it probably would have been 90% trust right like this yeah. was this was one where everyone only could choose one right factor right so when half of the people the one thing that matters to them is trust and then you know it doesn't matter I mean there's lots of other factors but the next one was at something like 15 percent right right so this is clearly what's most important to people and that leads really well into talking about how we break down the presentation itself and there's two real pillars to the presentation there's the technical side which we'll call the science mm-hmm. and then the softer side and that touches more on your delivery and your personality which we'll call the art um, and that really helps build the the segue from trust into how you build that with people and where you get that 
is through your rapport with people. And rapport is the way that you connect with your audience. You are not going to be the same personality, tone, presentation, whatever, as the people you're presenting to all the time or even any of the time. And in saying that, it doesn't mean that you need to be the exact same type of presenter every time because your audience is always different. And so this isn't the same as saying don't be yourself. It's just a case of you need to be able to read a room, understand the people who you're talking to, and bring yourself to a level that allows you to connect with them in such a way that they're comfortable. That happens by creating a feeling of commonality with them identifying places where you might be similar, but really it's just bringing things like your tone, the speed of your speech, you're leaning in or leaning out physically to a conversation. You want to do things uh, you know, known as matching and mirroring. So we're not just talking about the way you talk, but it's the way you behave, the way you relate. And the more you're able to relate, the easier it is to create a comfort and a rapport with them that sets the stage for building trust. That doesn't mean they trust you. It's just a lot easier to trust someone with whom you're comfortable speaking than someone who really can't connect with you on any level the way that you are and that you're comfortable with. Yeah. And I think, you know, for some people, it, be- it comes very natural to be able to identify those cues and really read how somebody's reacting, not in the way they're speaking, but the way in, the- in their mannerisms. Mm-hmm. And for other people, it's a lot more difficult. And I think you have to recognize that as either a strength or a weakness in yourself. And if it's a weakness, that's okay. You can get better at it and work on it. But this is so important um, just for recognizing uh, the tone in the room and how you can make the most of it. Yeah. And also, we're going to talk about preparing for the presentation. Part of that comes with, you know, you don't have to go into any presentation blind either. Right. So we'll talk about the ways that maybe you can have a bit of an upfront expectation of, you know, the sort of adaptation you might have to do in your presentation when you get there. Right, exactly. So counter to the art of things is the science. And the science really is just the numbers and the facts that you're talking about throughout your listing presentation. So obviously comparables is one of the biggest ones. And then likely your commission rate and the sale price of the home, all of those numbers Uh, can sometimes be seen as hurdles for a lot of agents going into a listing presentation. Those are the more difficult parts um, to speak with a seller about. And the key here is just to be extremely confident with those numbers. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later on. But ideally, you are going in there as prepared as possible. And you have to recognize that Facts are facts. You're not basing it. You're not basing an opinion off of these numbers. You're presenting the facts and that has to come across as very confident so that your clients can be confident in your skill and ability to represent them fully when they're selling their house. There's certain things beyond the technical side, again, of what you're preparing that you want to be able to lay the stage for yourself so that you create a comfortable environment when you're there. So first of all, You want to know who's going to be in the room. And more specifically, you want to make sure the people you're presenting to are the ones who are going to be making the decision to list the home. So who's the person who's ultimately going to sign the listing agreement with you? If they're not all going to be there, if it's a husband and wife, it's a a power of attorney, if they're not going to be there, then you're working from behind the eight ball to begin with. It doesn't mean you can't do a great presentation, but it means you're either going to be confronted with one person 
regurgitating your presentation to somebody else and maybe playing broken telephone a bit, or you'll have the need to come back and do the presentation all over again. So make sure wherever you can, uh, obviously you can't always, you know, you can't always bank on everybody being there that needs to be, but at least try to set the stage that way and, and understand who's going to be in the room before you've spoken to them or before you've met with them, ask some, ask some questions ahead of time. Like what's the most important thing that you're looking for in an agent? What are your objectives for selling? Get a feel for where their head's at, for what it is that's most important to them. Because your presentation, if it's cookie cutter, is very likely going to touch on strengths of yours or things about their home that maybe aren't as important to them as another person. So understanding where their priorities and objectives are ahead of time are going to lay that out for you a lot easier and allow you to prepare something that makes a lot more sense and connects with them at a much higher level. Um, You also want to do, on a technical side again, you want to do your homework on the neighborhoods on comparable sales, be able to start to get things to them ahead of time so that they can see all of this information and start to consume it before you're there. So you're not taking up that valuable, potentially short amount of time going through pages and pages of material. If you give them the heads up and provide them with the work that you've done ahead of time, uh, not only does it get them set for the stuff you're going to talk about and maybe you know ease the blow in some cases of a price discussion that might be harder to have with no information, but it also shows how much work you've been doing ahead of time just to prepare for a listing presentation. They're not even your client yet, but you are showing your work ethic. You're showing how much work goes into it, and that goes a very long way. Yeah, and one tip I'd recommend when you're looking at the comparables, make sure you're referencing off-market listings that have sold private sales. Uh, you can easily, if you're in Ontario, access that through Geo Warehouse. And that could be the make or break. I've had situations where my clients knew about them and I didn't, which kind of threw off my comparable analysis. And then I've had situations where I've gone in there and told them about private listings that have sold and they're blown away because they weren't told that by any other person that's come in to to, uh, present to them. Totally. It's one of those things where you don't want to be the one who's getting blindsided in your own presentation, right? And yeah. Uh, off markets is a huge thing. You know, everyone has an expectation, whether it's from information that's real or not real, you know, whether neighbors have told them, whether they've gotten flyers, whether other listing agents have given them information. If you're equipped with facts, it goes such a long way to prove your credibility, but also to back up potentially something that might be counter to what these people have believed all along because of something somebody told them. Yeah, exactly. So the day of the presentation, I mean, you're going to enter the home. You're, as we talked about with the art side of things, you're going to read the room. You're going to see the sentiments where people are at. If you're walking in and it's a young family looking to move up to a bigger house, it might be an exciting time. If it's a divorce or a death, obviously you're going in with a much different perspective um, and different uh, approach. So definitely. Definitely read the room. Uh, our recommendation is to start with the tour. We find that that allows you to get all of the information you need. So when you sit down, you can definitely present with 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 all those facts. And make sure you are the director of your listing presentation. Obviously, if you're 
potential clients have a preference as to how they'd like the presentation to go. Um, you're not going to say no, but at the same time, they're usually relying on you to guide them through that hour or however long you're there for presenting. So tour and then sit down at the table. Uh, you're going to review, first of all, their motivations for moving. You want to know, you want to make sure that you got it right the first time. Um, you've verified that ahead of time, so make sure you there was no misunderstandings, that you fully understand that. And then you start the presentation with... Um, with a sentence to engage them to, you know, you're not just going to go in and start a boring, long uh, presentation that's going to make them lose interest. So one example we can provide to you um, is saying something like, Mrs. Seller, I keep a very close relationship with my past clients. And this past year, many of them offered some insight to the things that were most important to them when selling their home. Would you like to review the reasons that they shared? And that captivates their attention. It definitely puts them in a similar position to what your previous sellers were in. And obviously, they're very going to be very intrigued about that. So something along those lines. And, and this ties into something we didn't talk about that much, but the questions that you ask during your presentation, that's a great placement of a closed-ended question where... You're just asking for permission to continue. You're basically, you're getting the person across the table to allow you to take them down a road that you want to go down. And that's different from, you know, the open-ended questions that you might uh, preface the presentation with when you're starting to dig for things like objectives and reasons and situations and ask a lot more whys and hows rather than, you know, the would you and the is this and things like that. Because at this point, when you've got the information you want to deliver and it's conceivably matching the objectives that you already know they have, you just want them to open the door to let you give that to them now. You're, you still want to have discussion and, you know, the rule of thumb is, you know, 80-20 uh, is, is ideal as far as you listening versus you talking. You want to have them engaging as much as possible. But when you get to the meat of your presentation, which is really going to lay out the value you bring and you know how you're going to meet their objectives you just want them to say go for it and i'm here to listen yeah yeah so the things that we identified for ourselves that are really important are you know selling for the highest price the time it takes to sell the home um, your own track record like your testimonials your marketing plan is key and then the process of selling so Mm -hmm. All of your presentations should really fall into one of those five buckets when it comes to um, how you present. So for example, if you're looking at the process of selling, giving them like a visual of a calendar, a listing calendar from start to finish, what they can expect. I can tell you from experience that that's been very helpful for potential sellers just to get a better understanding. So use graphs, use stats um but make it look really nice and enticing and yeah that's yeah i mean there's there's like so many different ways to do it and the more to those points that you can be in terms of making sure you hit those things you identified as important make sure everything that you present connects back to the things that are most important right because Mm -hmm. if they don't 
you're wasting your time, you're wasting their time because you're talking about stuff that you haven't even identified as something that's exactly. important. And it's keep in mind, it's important to them. It's important to, it's not important to them what, um, you know, you look like on a billboard or, you know, all of these little things that you talk about, um, about yourself. If they ask you, that's one thing, but they don't need to know you've been with a certain brokerage for three years and then another brokerage a few years prior. Like they don't need to know your life story or Mm-hmm. career history that's not of interest to them they are selling a huge you know a, a, it's a big decision for them and they need to involve themselves and, and keep you updated as much as possible yeah you'll have the answers to all those questions you don't need to answer right so if they ask them you're still equipped with it and you know i, I can say like we've gone to listing presentations where we've got all kinds of stuff but we don't ever pull it out, right? It's just, it's there if someone says, well, you know, I've heard about your signs or I've heard about your feature sheets or I'm curious about whatever, you don't need to make that part of your presentation, but you can have it on hand Mm -hmm. to present if needed. So, you know, be prepared with way more than you need, but know what's important and stick to that unless you're prompted otherwise. Um, You know, another key thing is, you know, we talked about track record. If you have case studies or things that you've gone through, or even if you're brand new, if your brokerage or, if, uh, you know, past lives of yours in other industries can lay out some of your experience and some of the real life examples of what your work looks like and how it will relate to those key things to your client or your potential client, that helps when you show tangible examples of things because it's not all figurative anymore. It's actually real numbers, real collateral, real marketing, real results. And that sort of stuff goes a very long way if you have it. And if not, as you get more listings, continue to collect the stories and the material that helps support how good of an agent you are. Yeah, exactly. Um, Another really important preparation piece is knowing the potential buyers. Uh, you can go very deep into this and we like to create what's called a buyer avatar, which is basically a very detailed profile of the people most likely to be buying the home that you're doing a listing presentation for. Uh, if you work in a certain area or with a certain type of home, the avatar might not change too much listing to listing, but when you can customize and show that you've given that much thought to the people to whom you're going to market, it goes such a long way with a buyer or with a potential seller that they know you're already going out of your way to build a marketing plan for a listing you don't even have yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one thing to say, oh yeah, I do Facebook and Instagram ads. But if you're showing you're going to target to those specific people that are going to likely purchase the home, you're one step ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, we... We can go and we, we've gone into this in other forums before, but you know, in the interest of time, we won't break down the avatar, but you basically want to be able to identify who this person is. If you were building the character, where do they go for information? What are they interested in? What's important to them? And when you can show that you know that, mm-hmm. you're showing that you're able to market, you're showing that you've given more thought than other agents probably have. And it lays out almost as if you already have the listing because you're so prepared for it. Exactly. So once you've gone through all of those factors, you've addressed all of those things that we talked about before, you want to go into the CMA. And first thing, as we talked about before, send those comparables ahead of time. So hopefully your seller has had a chance to review them. So when you go to ask them what they think, they can give you an educated opinion about their thoughts and it can help guide that 
part of the conversation a little bit better. So obviously you want to be prepared. You want to have all your numbers. You want to know things like the back of your hand. You want to know that the house next door only had three bathrooms while their house had four. All of those things are super important at this stage. And just be very comfortable and confident talking about it. You will be blown away. If you come across as confident, I can guarantee you that they're just going to kind of let that flow and allow you and basically, you know, they might not accept exactly, you know, your analysis but it's more likely if you show it with confidence. Well, that, that's the theme here is everything yeah. ties into making you confident and it's a function of being prepared. It's a function of knowing what you have. But at the same time, don't confuse confidence with arrogance. There's lots of us who are confident but don't know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. Right? This is confidence that's actually flowing from the fact that you are prepared. And that shows when you're from doing the, the science. presentation. Well, that's the thing. This brings into the the art and the science of, of, of the presentation. Obviously, the science, you've got the facts, you've got the numbers. But the art side of things is you have to be very conscious of how your seller is reacting to these numbers. If they're showing some discomfort, obviously, they may not agree with you. And it doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It just means you have to try to approach the situation in a way where you can talk about it um, in a collaborative way. Yeah, that's what it's what it's all about is building that relationship because they haven't hired you yet. Right. Right. And if you give them good information, but you're not able to connect, that information is not owned by you. Right. They can go to the agent that they had a better rapport with and say, hey, can you take a look at these numbers that this other listing agent gave me? Because I like you a lot more, you know, Uh, so you need to over time develop your ability to connect with people. And just because you have a great presentation and this is why templates and all that only go so far, you need to be able to deliver it and be able to pivot in the moment based on the reactions that people are giving you and know what's most important and be able to take things that maybe you felt were the cornerstone of, of your presentation. But if it's not being received that way, don't spend half of your time focused on the market analysis if that's not where the seller's interested, right? Just make sure you know everything and that you're ready to talk about anything when it's asked. Exactly. Once all this goes through and once everybody loves you and you've and you've gotten everything done except for the pen to paper, again, the paperwork is something that you're going to want to go through, but it's a lot easier if you've even made this available to them as part of your preparation and that pre-information you sent through. If you were able to send through examples of what they would be signing with anybody that they sign with, it A, helps them establish any questions they might have, which they might have asked you ahead of time. But it also makes the whole pulling the paper out of your briefcase step a lot less awkward because you've already sent it to them. Mm -hmm. Populate as much of it as you can ahead of time. Have their names on there. Have the address. As much information as you can. And it's okay to be presumptuous here Mm -hmm. because by this point, if you've done everything right, you've got a relationship, you've got a rapport, this isn't being brought out. You're not a sleazy salesperson. You're someone now who has laid the groundwork to sign the paperwork. And so it's time to bring it out and have a discussion about what it is and the sorts of things that they'll be looking to sign. And it's very important that whatever jurisdiction you're in and whatever it is that you're bringing out there, you know every word of that paperwork front, backwards, and whatever other way you can look at it Mm -hmm. because you need to be able to address questions and also put it into plain English. Yeah. Because even in this podcast, 
there's probably new realtors out there who are hearing some of these terms and saying, I don't know what a CMA is, mm. right? Yeah. Like there's certain things that we take for granted doing it so many times that you need to know it all because they might be looking at things and they might be glossy eyed. And if you see them looking at something and just kind of smiling and nodding, it also goes a long way to actually explain something, mm-hmm. even if they don't ask, if it just looks like something that might benefit them so that they understand and you can put it in plain English. So again, read the room, understand if they say, hey, where do I sign? Let yeah. them sign. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I've had so like, it's like one, like such a spectrum of situations when it comes to the paperwork. Like if there's like a lawyer type um, person, yeah. a lot of times they just want to sit there for 10 minutes and read through it for themselves, which can be very awkward. But if that's what they want to do, I'm not going to stop them from doing that. And then there's people that are like, okay, that's great. Yeah, whatever. let's just sign it and obviously you still want to make sure they understand it and that's when you're putting it into your own words really comes in handy because you can you know just practice it summarize every single paragraph so it takes a couple minutes Mm -hmm. and then you know that they understand what they're signing that's very important for sure and don't take this as you need the signature when you're there at all costs right if somebody Mm -hmm. says because another common situation is okay leave this with me don't be pushy for the sake of being pushy. This isn't meant to to mean like if you don't leave with a signature, you've failed, right? That's obviously the goal, but there's a whole world of things that could be said to you and you just need to be prepared. Ideally, if you've sent it ahead of time, a lot of this stuff won't be such a I need to sit on it kind of a thing from the paperwork perspective. Yeah. That kind of leads to at this point, you're going to have and throughout, you're going to have all kinds of questions. There's common ones, common objections that... Uh, we always hear, we'll go through a few of them yep. and, and talk through how we deal with them and our recommendations at least. Yeah. So the first one, and I think this is one that most of you will likely hear throughout your career is can you do it for less? Be- meaning the commission. I've never heard right. that before. <laughs> you must have a good presentation then. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you don't get that question, then you've done an amazing job at the presentation and blown them away. So. And, and if you do hear it, you've still probably yeah, done an amazing no, job at, at the presentation. No, that's true. Yeah. There's very few people out there who aren't clamoring for what's the deal I can get in today's market for sure. Yeah. So obviously, if you get a question like that, you want to refer back to your marketing plan. You're putting real dollars, ideally, into this listing. So you have to go through that with them and and help them to understand that if you are um, spending all of this money, you know, this is why you're, you're charging them this in addition to, you know, your negotiation skills, like all of the things that you, uh, make you who you are, you have to be confident in selling that to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other angle you can take is, you know, something to the effect of, you know, if, if I give you a discount on the commission, what does that say about my ability to negotiate for you when I receive an offer? Right. Cause it, reflects the way that you deal with people mm-hmm. <laughs> right so you're going to hear it you're going to have people who are stubborn we've seen people who have tried to get deals in the face of people they're all are already under contract with there's all kinds of different things you're going to see just be confident in your value and it makes it a lot easier for yeah. you to that's number one i think like yeah i i have when i go in and i'm like nope can't do it like this is this is what I'm charging because this is what I do for you 
nine times out of 10, they accept that when I become across as confident, but it takes time and it takes practice. And, and if you, if you run into people who don't accept that, you know, there's something to be said for people who require a discount, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need to, it's hard to walk away from a listing. It's hard if someone says, well, if you just do it for X, I'll give it to you, but I can't otherwise. And I mean, to each their own, but you need to be confident in the time and money you're going to put into something. And it's not fair that someone requires you to discount from what your price is Mm -hmm. when you're providing the value that justifies it. This is how we deal with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and it's the way to be. Another big objection is somebody will say, well, I'm not ready to sell yet. So they brought you in. Maybe they're just kind of testing the water, but they're really unsure about whether this is the right time. Um, There's a lot of different angles to take, but the best thing to do with a lot of objections is to respond to them with a question that dives deeper. So in this case, what specifically about right now doesn't work for you? Like, what is it that's holding you back? Um, there might be people, especially in today's day and age now, like I'm talking to people right now who are saying, well, you know, with COVID-19, with the stuff that's going on, this probably isn't the best time, mm-hmm. right? Maybe I need to wait a few months, you know, the market will rebound, whatever, or, and this could happen at any time. We see that in the winter, and that's a great example. You know, in the winter, people say, well, you know what, spring is is when the market really picks up, right? So why don't we wait? We'll talk again in April. Well, if they would have done that this past winter, we just got hit by something that has taken the market in a drastic fashion in mm-hmm. the opposite direction from what people expected. So the only certainty in a real estate market is where we are right now. We can give you the picture of what's happened and where we are. As far as what's to come, sure, there's forecasts. I'm sure there's truth to what's going on out there and and, and what we expect to happen. But you never know what could happen. And we just experienced, we're experiencing it right now. So make sure that people's motivations for delaying aren't tied to their expectations of a different market. Um, another thing to consider, which we hadn't talked about, is the exclusive listing approach. Yeah. Where if you can just get them to sign and get you working and investing money and time into their listing, it doesn't mean you need to make the listing marketed publicly right now if they're not ready. So if they're you know concerned about timing, but they know that they like you, don't walk away. Just get them to sign an exclusive listing and you can flip it onto your MLS when the time comes. And at that point, they'll be confident you'll be ready to hit the ground more than running because you've been doing the work for them all along. And you can be happy and confident doing it for them because you're under contract. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, Another thing that you might get is I want to interview other realtors. And one sentence or one question that seems to do the trick in this situation is what specifically were you looking for that was different? That should make them pause a little bit and, th- and really think about it. Um, and it's it's a great way to just start the conversation about moving forward with you. I mean, mm-hmm. if there's something specific, obviously you can try to address it. But most of the time, there really isn't anything that they can pinpoint. It's just their preference. And if that's their preference, yeah. cool. But well, And sometimes the way people are, sometimes people have like a friend who's a realtor who they promised that they would interview yeah. or, you know, there's a lineup of people that they don't want to let down. And we even recommend to people well, that's you the should thing. interview uh, That's what I was going to say. Like, you don't say that you shouldn't do it, but if you ask that question, at least it allows you to understand exactly why they're evaluating other options. Right. And if they can look at their own objections or the things that you missed out on, if there are any, it helps you grow, but yep. it also 
in a lot of cases, there isn't anything there. And it might have them reflect on the fact that there really isn't a whole lot of reason for them not to go with you because you checked all the boxes. Right. And what's the point in spending the next few days sitting down with more realtors and, you know, going as, through the as same... As fun as that is. Yeah. Well, maybe people enjoy that. But... I'm, I'm totally into just hosting people for listing presentations. <laughs> Um, so yeah, going on the timing thing again, you know, sometimes people say they want to finish projects around the house before selling, or they've got questions about that sort of stuff. Depending on the direction they go, if they've just got questions, you're already in the wheelhouse with a rapport where you can start lending your expertise about what's worth it and what isn't in terms of renovations that they might want to do. Um, but you want to be their professional here as well when it comes to timing and say, you know what, let's evaluate what it is you want to do and whether or not it's worth it to delay the listing uh, if it's really not going to necessarily give you the payback you're looking for or it might just be a time and investment suck that just gets you back, if that, what it is that you're hoping to get out of it. Again, the exclusive listing approach is a great way to be alongside them while they're finishing things and while you're being able to prepare the listing um, and give them the time to finish what they wanted to finish with your expertise alongside them. Exactly. And then finally, some you might get you don't have a lot of experience, whether it's in a particular area or in the amount of time you've been in real estate. Uh, like we said before, confidence is number one. If you go in with confidence, there's less likely a chance that they will even bring that up. As Daniel mentioned before, you can also refer to your past job experiences that relate to real estate. And then use your brokerage and the stats that they have out there in your listing presentations, even marketing materials. I know a lot of new agents say, you know, I don't have feature sheets. I've never had a listing. So how can I show people my marketing? Mm -hmm. And you can ask if maybe somebody will let you use, if you plan to do a similar thing to them, then maybe you can borrow an, an example from them so you can actually show people. So try to rely on your brokerage as much as possible with this and it, I think it'll really help you guys. Now you're through all the questions. You've addressed every concern. Mm -hmm. Your paperwork might be signed, it might not be, but you do have to leave the house at some point. <laughs> you can't stake it out until you, you get yeah, the listing paperwork I, We wouldn't signed. recommend camping out in the house until they sign something. So yeah. the presentation's over, but your work is not yet done. Hopefully because you actually have a listing you need to work on now. But either way, when it's over... You need to take a minute with every listing presentation you do and actually ask yourself, what could I have done better next time? Or what could I have done better here and what can I do better next time? The easiest way to do that beyond your own self-reflection and evaluation is asking for feedback. You need to, whether you got the listing or not, it is so beneficial to hear from the people to whom you presented what they thought. And it might seem awkward, especially in a case where you didn't get the listing, to ask for feedback, but all that's doing is it's helping you grow and it's helping you for your next listing presentation. And it's showing to the people who didn't choose you that you know you value their opinion and you also value growth for yourself so that you can do a good job for other people in the future. Yeah, and it's almost better to fail a couple of times because sure. you learn, like you kind of want that. Because if you keep get, I mean, I well, if you keep getting listings, that's great, but that's not going to happen. So as long as you're learning, that that's all that matters. 
really. I mean, I can think back to a time where, you know, I wasn't as confident and I'd be going through the paperwork and my, like when I get nervous, my hands shake. And I remember a few times, like literally my hands are shaking as I'm pointing out the different Hmm. clauses. And what does that say about your confidence? Like it was like, but I, now I'm aware of it. So if I do get into a situation where I might be a little nervous, like with some people I do get nervous. I find when I'm dealing with people that might be older than me just because I don't know what it is something in that like my mindset kind of shifts so going in to the presentation knowing what your potential flaws or your 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 negatives not negatives but your weaknesses in a presentation might be everyone has strengths and weaknesses like nobody is a perfect presenter yeah but being aware some people think they are no yeah exactly and you rarely are they but if you're aware of your weaknesses you're just constantly working on them and if you're aware of it you're less likely to do it when you're in a presentation i would just caution that don't go into a presentation focused on your weaknesses though no no, because it does throw you off and it's just really good from a development perspective when you know something that you need to work on you don't need to be a 10 in every aspect of presenting but if there's an area where you're really struggling and it hurts you every time, take the time to develop those things. Practice, you know, rehearsals of a presentation are not a bad thing. Yeah, and re- rehearse it with people that, you know, your, your significant other. I find it's harder to rehearse with somebody that's closer to you than a complete stranger. So if you can do it with a, somebody that's very close to you, you're, you're in good, a good position. Totally. I mean, do it to your pet. If, you know, seriously, <laughs> if you've got a silent audience who's just staring at you and you're like looking for a reaction, I guarantee you, if you do it in an yeah, empty room maybe. or to somebody who's just or something that's just staring at you, yeah, it it'll I guarantee you it'll make you reflect on the yeah. way you present or record yourself. That's well, yeah. also another one. I mean, there's so many other ways you can it, do it. The, but, the bottom yeah. line is, if you're not practicing and you're not perfecting your craft, then you're never going to get to the maximum potential that you have. Right. And the best way to do it is to do more of them, obviously. So if you're getting lots of, of, you know, leads and presentations, you're going to be practicing by virtue of the fact that you're doing them. But if you don't get a listing, it doesn't mean you just move on to the next one. Right. You have to reflect on what it is that you did well, what you didn't do well. And you can reflect, but you can also get that feedback from the people who you present to, whether it's in a rehearsal or in, you know, quote unquote, right. real life. Yeah. Well, that's, a, yeah. Because if, if somebody else's perspective is key, because what you think you've, you've done bad at is likely not the same as what they think you could have improved upon. So, yeah, that is our shot at leveling up your listing presentation. Yeah. And uh, we're jacked to be doing these now. We're going to be bringing some consistent real estate content to you. They're not all going to be seminars. <laughs> you know, this kind of felt a bit like a seminar, but uh, we're just uh, hopefully going to keep value adding. And we hope that you subscribe and give us some comments about the stuff you want to hear about because exactly. we're going to keep coming at you. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll see you next time. Level up, 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 level up,